Hey monkeys, what is up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Arm Date Podcast. Today is Sunday, the 7th of August, 2011. We're going to have a pretty good sized show for you today. We got uh, lots of good feedback and I got a story about some uh, car shopping that I had to do because unfortunately we were we had our own kind of little mini emergency, I guess you say. You know, a lot of times we talk about on this show things like being prepared and we talk about trying to be prepared for big things but uh, one of the things that you can find is if you're maybe prepared for some of the big things you may also be prepared for some of the little disasters that happen to you on a, on a personal level uh, you know there's a, a guy Jack Spierko who does a survival podcast talks about that you know the bigger the, the bigger the disaster the more global the disaster probably the less likely you are to be involved in it but you know, little things like you, you, like we did, you get in a car accident or um, they're telling you at work that the paychecks aren't, the payroll's not going to come through until next week instead of this week, you know, those type of things. So anyway, before we jump in with some of that stuff, uh, since we were talking a little bit about feedback, let's go ahead and get our contact stuff out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so a couple of different ways. You can either call up the voicemail and that is uh, 206-339-3266. Again, 206-339-3266. You can do comments, reviews, uh, shout-outs, whatever you want to do. Uh, also, if you wanted to had, have something kind of played on the show, but you didn't want to use the voicemail, you wanted to do maybe a WAV file or an MP3, you can send that to me by email. Uh, or you can also, in that email, just write something out and I can read it for you on the show. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, the email address is thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. Also, if you did an MP3 or a WAV file and the file was actually pretty big, you can also use transfer files. Uh, is that the name of it? Transferbigfiles.com. I can't even remember. It's been so long since I've, uh, since I've had anybody... Uh, send me something through that or since I've actually used it, but I think it's transferbigfiles.com. And the way that works is you upload that file to them. They send me with my email address. They send me an email saying, Hey, you've got a file here. I go over to their server and download it. Uh, works really good, real good system. Uh, let's see. Now, speaking of our feedback and email and all that jazz, I I've got a couple of emails and I can't remember whether or not I, I read them out. Um, and these are both from basically the end of June. And I thought that I had, and I saw these, and I'm like, oh boy, maybe I didn't. Um, so I, I did want to make sure that I that I read these out on the air. If I've done it before, eh, oh well. Uh, it won't hurt to, to hear them again. Uh, the first one we have is from Tom in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And he writes in about the Comtech Spartan Holster. And they said, I received the Comtech Spartan recently for my birthday. It's the slide version, long enough to cover my Glock 26, but with an open muzzle so I can also carry my Glock 17. I'd heard a lot over the years about the crossbreed holsters being comfortable, but after some research and comparisons on YouTube, I went with the Comtech. It's not quite as fancy as their MTech, which is the, uh, I think it's uh, maybe the, Mon the Minotaur, I think is what it's called. But anyway. Um, it's one layer of leather with the T-nuts exposed on the rear. The, uh, the holster seems very well formed, but they advise not to leave it in the car on a warm day. 
All in all, it seems very well executed. The only problem was I ordered the wrong side clips to uh, fit my carry belt, but I ordered more online and had them in a few days. I find the Spartan extremely comfortable. It seems the more I wear it, the more the leather, the leather excuse me, conforms to my hip. As the clips are far apart, the weight of the pistol seems more evenly distributed. Additionally, the holster seems to stay put and not shift like other inside the waistbands I've used in the past. Even my Glock 17 seems to conceal better than with the El Paso salary holster I have. So far, I'm well satisfied. The leather seems better finished than the crossbreed, and the Kydex seems to be better fitted, or fitted better as well, excuse me. I was initially concerned about the exposed hardware at the rear, but it's been a non-issue. Some people have covered the T-nuts with moleskin, uh, so that's an option if needed. Thoroughly enjoy both of your shows. Keep up the good work. Uh, I know you've helped me through a pretty shitty job some days. I also wanted to thank you for mentioning the B-Movie cast. I've been listening for several months and enjoy their show as well. Thanks again, Tom. Okay, Tom, thanks for that. Um, and I can't remember... It, it does bring up a, one point I think maybe I forgot to mention in the contact stuff. If you do use the voicemail to send that in... As many of you guys that listen to this show know, I also do another show called Firearms Cafe. I use the same voicemail for both shows. So just let me know it's for the Arm Date podcast. Um, let's see. Or if you're calling in for Firearms, Car- for Firearms Cafe, just mention which podcast you want to play it on. Uh, so anyway, getting back to Tom's uh, email about the uh, CompTech. You know, I, I eventually I went with the Crossbreed Holster. I have a FNP 45, so it's a big one. I wanted to have the, um, when he was talking about that the clips are far apart, so it distributes, it distributes the weight better, I wanted to have a, a, a holster system like that as opposed to uh, the Milt Sparks, which is basically just a couple of small loops that are right together. Um, and the further apart the clips, the more that the weight is kind of spread out. And so that that way, holsters like the crossbreed, holsters like that compact are going to help distribute that weight. So you're not going to feel it as much. And if you've got a good belt, the belt also helps distribute away the weight all the way across your waist and not just sort of on one point. Um, one thing I think I think I'd mentioned it on the, on one of the previous shows was that with that crossbreed holster the way that they attach the kydex to the leather is they have rivets on there and so i was going to maybe take those see if i could drill those rivets out and then use something like those t-nuts or chicago screws um to attach them so that i could i could switch out holes switch out uh different kydex pieces and that way i could carry different guns on that same basically the base leather platform uh, and that's one thing i think that you can do with all the contact stuff uh, so I may actually give, and if, if my mods don't really go that well, I may actually give that uh, Spartan a, uh, may kind of give that a chance as well. Uh, so thanks again for that, Tom. Appreciate hearing from you. Now we have the next one is from Alex, and Alex writes, uh, and well, before we get into it, he talks a little bit about some of the TSA stuff. There was some legislation that was passed in Texas, and I think I talked about this as well on a previous show, that what they were basically doing is they passed uh, making it illegal for uh, for TSA to basically touch uh, like any of the sexual organs, the breasts, you know, the anus, blah blah blah, either you know under the clothes or on top of the clothes, um, 
in a manner that you know a reasonable person would not approve of type thing. So basically what that would mean is that if you couldn't go up to somebody on the street and touch them the way that TSA is touching you, then it would be illegal for them to do it. And I think it would be a misdemeanor that they could be charged with at that point. Well, the feds came in and said, hey, if you do that, we'll shut down all air travel. And then, and then the, uh, I think the governor buckled or something and refused to sign it. Uh, and if I've got the, the details on that, like I said, it's been a while, so I'm a little fuzzy on it. But anyway, Alex writes in and he says, Hi, Tony, I've just, uh, just got done listening to Armed Ape 40. Good podcast. I live in Texas, and regarding the Fed coming and shutting down the bill to make it a crime to do pat-downs was a fucking shame. You're right. Texas should have called their bluff. I'm still so pissed about that, especially now that I have a little daughter. Fortunately, here in Austin, they don't have x-ray scanners, but I call and write my elected officials anyways. I don't know how much time you spend playing games, but I have a game recommendation for the PS3. I didn't play video games between ages 16 and 31 years old. It just wasn't my thing. But when I bought a Sony TV, which came with a free PlayStation 3, I bought Battlefield Bad Company. What an amazing game engine. I'm sure you've heard people talk about... Uh, Call of Duty. I used to be one of those people who was amazed by the gameplay, but it doesn't have anything on uh, BFBC, which is that Battlefield Bad Company, or the newer BFBC2. In Call of Duty, you can't destroy your environment. It adds to the fakery of the game. In BFBC, you can destroy nearly anything you see. You're in a room and you need a quick exit, use a grenade launcher or C4 to blow out the wall. Same for vehicles. Put some landmines down and then watch the enemy's Humvee fly 50 feet tumbling through the air when it hits a mine. You'll piss your pants laughing. Battlefield Bad Company 2 is the latest game. I would recommend getting that one. Uh, BFBC 3 comes out this fall. And then he has a little bit of of, uh, personal information stuff. Uh, And then his next paragraph, he talks about uh, Ron Paul a little bit. So he writes, regarding Ron Paul, he definitely has my vote as well. Uh, Revolution was a short but good book. I can't recommend highly enough the book Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve. This is an amazing book of history, economics, thievery, and politics, all centered around the Federal Reserve. It may sound like a boring read, but it's truly an eye-opener and has numerous references listed throughout the book, which helps to substantiate the story. I think you'll be hooked. So um, I am reading, actually, I want to say thanks again for that, Alex. I am reading right now the, uh, I'm reading about, well, i got three books going. I'm reading two books by Thomas Wood, one called Rollback and one called Meltdown. I'm also reading, uh, actually, the the book that we had mentioned before, Revolution by Ron Paul. I haven't had as much time to get through them as I would like. Uh, I'm hoping to have maybe some more time this week, and I I should be able to probably blast through all three of those. Uh, But those are all good recommendations. Um, Also, Thomas Woods has some other books I think I'd mentioned in the past. Um, But if you just go to the light and you you can go to the library and find all these, that's where I found all mine so far. Uh, But type in Thomas Woods for an author search, and he's got lots of good uh, lots of good books. Uh, Let's see um, about that video game. Like I said, I don't play that much, uh, but it sounds like that one would be kind of fun. Um, I don't usually do a lot of the online stuff, like where you go on and play against other people. I kind of like just. if I'm going to play that video game, just doing 
doing that. I, I, I've never really done the online stuff. I've just usually uh, played the game by myself at home. So in that way, if you want to stop or do this, you don't have to worry about having to uh, depend on other people or that kind of jazz. So anyway, um, we have got some other feedback, and I will go ahead and play that after I tell you guys kind of a quick story. And this will tie in a little bit to sort of the being prepared for the uh, for the small disasters, like I talked about earlier about the car accident. Kind of a long story short, basically what happened is my wife was going to the library, wife and daughter. They got ruined by a, a, a lady. It was their fault. The, so her insurance basically says, we'll go ahead and pay for it, blah, blah, blah. Um, we end up taking our vehicle to the uh, to the body shop. They're saying, oh, you know, it doesn't look too bad. We should be able to pull the dents out of the 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 rear driver quarter panel. The back bumper is kind of smushed down. We should be able to fix that. And your lift gate is also kind of has a little bit of a crease and a dent in it. We should be able to fix those. And I'd ask, well, are you going to have to replace them or can you just pull the dents? And they said, we should be able to pull the dents. So we get delayed a couple of weeks because of all the rigmarole that's going back and forth with, with the other person's insurance. You know, they, I guess when they do the estimate and everything, they have to approve all this other jazz. So one of the things they had kind of caused, raised a stink over, they said, well, they wanted to use an aftermarket bumper. And I was like, eh, okay, go ahead. Um, sometimes with aftermarket parts, it's actually, and I've used aftermarket parts on vehicles on mine when I've had to replace stuff. I had to replace a mirror on my truck. And if I would have used a Toyota part, holy crap, it was like, $260 and I got the part I was able to find the part uh, aftermarket one you can't tell the difference at all for uh what did I pay 60 bucks or something with shipping and everything so anyway um sometimes though aftermarket parts won't fit as well so you have to kind of massage them a little bit and if it's in a body shop it may take them a little bit more time which could actually end up kind of evening out the cost so maybe that that uh, original equipment part would be more expensive, but by the time they have to fuddle around with the um, with the aftermarket one to make it fit or to make it work, in labor cost, you know, it, it kind of evens out. For for me or you, the labor cost is free if we're doing a, you know a repair at home. So anyway, they end up having to keep the car a little bit longer than we expect, and. By this time, this happened back in like mid-June. So by this time, it's time for us. We had had our vacation trip to go to Montana. So we go and we come back. Then when we come back, I get a uh, call from the insurance. And they're saying, hey, the vehicle is going to end up costing too much. So we're going we're gonna to do a total loss. We're going to total out the vehicle. And I was just like, son of a bitch, you got to be kidding me. Uh, because they were saying, you know, oh, the damage is only, you know, two or three grand, maybe four at most. And I'm I'm just thinking, well, what happened? So I call over to the uh, to the body shop, and you know they say, oh, once we got in there, you know we 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 saw that we couldn't pull the dents. So we're going to have to replace the whole quarter panel. We're going to have to replace the lift gate, also the uh, the floor pan, you know, and some other stuff got damaged and blah blah blah. And so it's a lot more. And so I guess what happens is that once they get to a certain percentage of what they figure your car is worth and then what they figure the repairs are going to be, um, then they'll just pay you out. And so let's say that if your car was worth, and we'll just throw out arbitrary numbers, let's say if your car was worth $10,000, but the repair was going to cost 7000 well, that may be um, 
on a $10,000 car, they may say, well, we're only going to pay re- to have it repaired up to $6,500. So we only do like 65%. And if it goes beyond that, we just, we just, uh, we'll total it out. So I was asking them, well, what are my options as far as, you know, can I, j- how, with, with the settlement money, my thing was, well, can I just buy the car from you guys and then I'll just have the body shop fix it? And then I can get it and drive it around. And they said, yeah, you can do that. And I said, well, but then if I do that, is it is it still going to be a salvage vehicle? And they said, yeah, because we're basically saying it's a total loss. And once you once it's a salvage vehicle, at least out here, hardly any insurance companies will touch it. You're not going to be able to sell it for or trade it in out here because most, most uh, if you're going to trade it in for a car dealership or you're going to sell it, if anybody runs a Carfax on that or something, they're just going to show that it was a salvage vehicle. In our case, if there wasn't so much red tape, I think we probably would have would have gone ahead and done that. And so again, we'll just throw out some arbitrary numbers. Let's say that they were saying like the worth of the vehicle was, you know, uh, we'll use that ten thousand dollars again, and then we would have to buy the car back from them for two thousand dollars so that we would we would actually get the vehicle and then we would get a check for eight thousand dollars and then let's say that the body shop was saying well it's only sixty five hundred dollars to repair it you know then we could go ahead and pay that we might even actually have some money left over but we decided not to go that route i think it was just going to be too much of a pain in the ass longer on on, on long-term stuff to have to deal with that salvage title uh, so, oh, and then another thing was we had paid the car off a long time ago, but the, the, uh, the bank never sent us the lien, the lien release. So that was another thing that I had to jump through a bunch of hoops and I had to, you call up the bank and they say, oh, you know, you got to talk to DMV, talk to DMV. And they say, oh, you got to talk to the bank. And so eventually I got all that squared out, but that also kind of pushed back stuff because I had to I had to wait on to get I had to go down to the DMV get some paperwork from them then I had to go to the bank and and when I say go to the bank I had to contact them and, and then they had to send me stuff uh I had to send stuff to them in the mail then they had to send me stuff in the mail so it took a long time and then once they got the information I sent then it took another 3 to 5 days for them just to get it over to another guy to process it and then they had to mail it out to me they couldn't like email it it had you know so all oh, this other jazz so anyway uh, it was kind of my fault on that lien. That's that's something I will take responsibility for because once we had gotten the title, we just sort of threw it in our firebox, you know, where you can keep your papers and stuff, <clears throat> and didn't really think anything of it. And then, of course, when the accident happened, it still showed that there was a lien holder on it. So, but you know, eventually it got all resolved. But it was just kind of one more step that had I been paying a little bit closer attention earlier, that I wouldn't have had to have gone through at the same time where we're going through everything else. Uh, so I also have a bit of a uh, recommendation of a place to stay away from. Now, when we, when we initially started looking, so we, we opted to, to go ahead and take the settlement, you know, the, the, the loss money, I guess. So when we originally went out and started looking, we thought, well, we can get maybe a year or two earlier car. We'll still get a, we'll get a used car. We won't buy a new one. And we'll get one maybe that has less miles than what we had, and it's a couple of years older, newer model. You know, not older, but a couple of years newer model. And we we may not have to pay anything out of pocket. Well, 
I hadn't been, we hadn't been car shopping in years. Um, I think it had been like seven years since we had bought the, our, our, uh, the, the car that was in the accident and we were actually planning on it, you know, having it for another, at least probably four to five years before we were going to probably be faced with the possibility of having to get rid of it. So needless to say, there was some sticker shock that I experienced. And, uh, also there was a, a deal where with all that stuff that happened in Japan, they're not sending over nearly as many new cars as they would be. Uh, also with the economy being in the dumps, the demand for a halfway decent used car has gone way up. And so, you know, if you're just dealing with, again, simple supply and demand, the supply of used cars, there's only so many of, of halfway decent ones that are going to be out there. And the demand for those is a little bit higher, so the price has gone up. I I had thought that the price was probably maybe two twenty, you know, two thousand twenty-five, maybe in some cases about three thousand dollars higher. So that means that you're what you would normally maybe start at and kind of negotiate down to. It's going to be a lot harder to get down to that what would be a good considered a good fair price, especially if you're looking going through dealerships and stuff like that. So uh, anyway, there was this one dealership that we went to at Showcase Honda uh, in Phoenix, in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm at. And they did a thing where they, we initially had gone down there to look at uh, a certain vehicle. And then they said, oh, that vehicle's not here. You know, they had it on the website and everything. And when I called, they said, yeah, it's there. So when we got down there, it wasn't there. And they said, oh, it went over to auction. Which usually sometimes once a car is going to go to auction, it means that they, one of two things, either it's not, there, there's stuff wrong with it, but that they could fix and it would be okay. So maybe the the interior is not as good or the uh, they need to fix maybe the, um, they need to put all new brakes or new tires and they just don't want to do it. And so then they'll just ship it off to auction. So anyway, we're like, okay, well, what else you got? So they showed us one. We ended up leaving uh saying well we don't really you know we've got other cars that we need to look at type thing and so a couple of days later we get a call from them and they're like hey uh you know on that one that you were looking at are you still interested in that and i was like yeah i'm interested but here's the price and we don't here's the price that we are not going to go above and i'm saying I'm, and i told the guy I said if we can do that that's great but I, I said i'm not going to go you know, another thousand. I'm not going to go five hundred. I'm not going to go two hundred. I'm not going to go one hundred dollars over this price that I'm going to tell you. And this was going to be an out the door price. So I talked to him, and he said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, basically, what he told me is I can I can give you the car for that price, but you need to come down here. If you'll come down here, we can do the deal for that. And once you're here at the dealership, then we can do it." So I said, "All right, you know, but don't." don't waste my time so of course you know guess what happens my time got wasted we go down there they don't even have the car that we were looking at it's not even out on the, out in the front like when you pull up what they had actually done is they had gone and gotten the the that initial car that we wanted to look at they had gotten it back from the auction of course this was after they told us that once it goes to the auction you can never get it back um so they showed us that, and, I, and then we thought, oh, boy, they're doing a bait-and-switch. So we thought, well, we'll drive it anyway, and 
if it's decent, we'll we'll go ahead and you know it's it's cheaper than the other one we were looking at. So if it you know if it works for us, it'll work for us. And we've got more room to negotiate down even further. So we take it out. The interior looks is decent. It had leather interior. Uh, it had a lot of upgrades in it. And so we start to drive it, and you can tell that the suspension is just totally shot. Um, the steering also isn't that great. Uh, it's real kind of, uh, it's hard to describe what it felt like, but you could just tell there was something wrong with the suspension, like the alignment was off. You could, there was a lot of stuff, and you could tell what the reason they sent it to auction was they didn't want to do the suspension work. Um, like I said, the interior was pretty good. Uh, and there was a couple other things on there that were decent, but that they probably would have needed to fix in order to get it. So, you know, of course the sales guy is, you know, seeing what a great, wonderful car it is. We get back to the dealership and then they bring out the, you know, the sales manager guy is, is coming to, and, uh, he's like, well, what'd you think of that? You know, are you happy to have that back? And we're like, no, it's, you know, the suspension shot the steering's no good, blah, 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 blah. And I listed off a bunch of other things and they're kind of like, uh, oh, and then I'm like, I go, you didn't even show us. I go, where's that other car? And then I said, we agreed to come. The reason we came down here is because we were going to look at this other vehicle for this price out the door. And when I said that, then the sales manager kind of like shakes his head and laughs and says, well, you didn't expect us to sell us. You didn't really think we were going to sell you a car, that car for that price. And I'm like, sure I did. I don't do this for a living. I, I, I told you know, the, the other person here, I said, Hey, if we come down, is this the price? And we're not willing to budge. This is where we are. And he said, yeah. And he said, well, we just, we can't do that. You know, we'll start singing me a sob story about how, you know, they, they just can't sell me the, sell me the vehicle for that price. And so eventually we just said, okay, well, sorry, you know, we got to go. And I said, I really felt that you guys did me a disservice and we left. And then a few days later, oh, maybe, I don't know, geez, probably about, Probably a, a week and a half has had gone by since then, and I get a call from from them from Showcase Honda from some manager, and he's like, "Well, you know, can you, you when you take some time to tell me about your experience?" And I did, and I was honest with the guy, and I felt you know I felt that we were kind of you know tried to take him for a ride and this and that, and to the guy's credit, you know, look, this, this guy didn't give two shits whether I ever come back in there or not. One customer doesn't mean anything to him. Um, but you know, to his credit, he was apologetic and said, you know, well, I hope you can, you know, we can earn your business back and blah, blah, blah in the future. And I'm like, well, I said, I don't know if I'd ever come back there. And, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't think that I wouldn't, you know, now having said that, if there was some smoking deal, I would probably go back there and I would just say, well, you know, if it's the best deal I could get, you have to be practical on some things. But if I, you know, I would never go there to buy a new car or anything like that so there's there's tons of other stuff that's out there especially like in the used stuff uh so anyway we kind of wanted to give a recommendation if you're out in phoenix maybe stay away from them or if you're going to go use showcase honda just be kind of leery uh of course i guess you know all of us know that when, once you kind of go into the car buying uh, buying a car it's a little it's a pretty cutthroat business and they're not above uh shall we say stretching the truth to get you in there all right, let's go ahead, and uh, that's the end of my story. Let's go ahead and let's have some feedback. And we got some feedback uh, about the uh, the Netflix thing. And if you guys remember, I wasn't uh, exactly super excited about the price going up with Netflix, but I said, uh, you know, I kind of understood why they did it. And, 
and to me, it would still be worth paying the the money to get the streaming and the uh, the DVDs and stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll hear from Eric. Hey, Tony, this is Eric with just some general feedback on Armed Ape episode 41. Uh, you'd actually had my review of, what was it, Battle Los Angeles for so long that I'd forgotten I called that in to you. Uh, after listening to what you had to say, I think I agree. I might have been a little bit too harsh, giving it a letter grade of a D. Uh, they didn't really do anything wrong. So I, I guess you're right. Uh, I think a C would probably be more fair. Um, that And I did like Aaron Eckhart's performance. He was good. Uh, in an effort to get something truly crappy, however, I've gotten back onto Netflix and I've gone for the other Battle Los Angeles that was in theaters for about a week and no one really seems to remember Skyline. It's on my uh, streaming queue, so hopefully I'll be bringing you a review of something truly horrific here soon. Um, the reason I mentioned that, though, is because of what you were talking about with Netflix. There were a couple points I thought were kind of worth bringing up, um, and I think you're right. Uh, I think the price hike is fair. I'm still willing to pay for it. The way I look at it is I don't really think uh, the the network executives were saying, well, fuck them, about raising prices for their members. you got to realize, if you look at things from a slightly different perspective, that the streaming, even though their selection is not as good as the DVDs, you know, I mean, it's still something like 50% of their delivery method. More people are watching streaming, even with the more limited content, than are getting the DVDs. Um, and even with the, the crappy content like Skyline, uh, it's just, it's grown exponentially and it's always been free. You know, now I do a two DVD a month plan, mostly because I'm on night shift, so I've really got a chance to abuse it and uh, and I'll get TV series or, you know, something where it's multiple hours on a single disc. Uh, I do a fair amount of damage in postage for that monthly rate. I mean, my rental for each disc winds up just costing next to nothing when you factor how much postage Netflix is covering in overhead. For them to be doing that much streaming content essentially for free as an extra, hey, we like you so much, that costs, bandwidth costs, and, and this is a cost of doing business. The reason I bring this up is you say, well, they've got shitty content. Yes, they do. And they just lost uh, Dexter, for example, and I think a couple of other uh, more premium shows from Showtime on July 1st of this year. That got made kind of a big deal. And uh, I actually believe that's more the reason. And I've I've read some stuff on like Ars Technica and Wire to kind of back this up. I think what they're doing is they are saying, okay, look, we keep getting knocked on for having shitty content. People keep bugging us about this and we're losing shows like Dexter and, and whatever else. I think the reason they separated out and the reason that we are going to start paying for the streaming content now and for everyone who's complaining, they've been getting it for free. You know, just, just keep that in mind. Um, I think they're doing it so that they can bring us more premium content. I think, uh, I think it's part of a play. We might not see the effects for a couple of months because contract negotiations can take God knows how long, but uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping. Now, if a year goes by and I turn out to be wrong, well, then there's egg on my face and Netflix just said, fuck them. 
but uh, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for now because I think they want to continue growing. So that's just my two cents. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic on it. Anyhow, uh, that's enough rambling about that for right now. I got other stuff I got to take care of because I got more shitty movies to watch so we can talk about them on the show. All right. Thanks for doing the show. Appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Eric. Thanks for sending that in. Appreciate it. Um, you know, with still with the Netflix things, maybe I was a little harsh, I guess, maybe when I was saying that they said fuck them, but... I still I still would have liked them to have done the price increase a little bit better and maybe explained it a little bit better. The email that I got from them basically just said that they're going to separate the plans and it, there was just a one little thing to like a throwaway thing that said just to better reflect the costs of each. Uh, and then it and then they said uh well actually uh, what else did they say? Um my current plan was I had the unlimited, but only one disc got sent to me at a time where I think you said you had the two. So the the reality for me was I was paying like $10, so $9.99 a month. And then they said, well, your unlimited streaming, which you got as part of the, as part of the thing, is now going to be $7.99, and your unlimited one out at a time with no streaming is $7.99. Uh, and then the unlimited streaming is, you know, uh, again, no DVDs. So basically I would be paying, you know, fifteen ninety eight, basically $16 a month for that. So the reality is, is they dropped my, my unlimited DVD plan by $2, but then they raised me by 6 Because, uh, you know, if you actually look at what I'm actually paying more, uh, I'm basically paying like 6 bucks more. A month, um, and and like I said previously, for me, uh, I still think it's worth it. I just wish they had done it a little better. Um, and I think though that your point is valid about that they they are going to have to renegotiate contracts and, and renegotiate price. And I wish they had explained that a little bit better. I wish they had said, "Look, we're going to try and really update our streaming." And we're going to try and get a lot better content. But the price for doing that is that means that we're going to have to either charge you. Uh, we're not going to split them in half. We're either going to charge you at your you know one DVD and you'll still get the the streaming quote unquote for free. But we got to charge you you know fifteen dollars a month, or uh, you know because there's still a lot of content that you can't get. Um, now I, I do think long term, eventually, almost everything will go streaming uh, because it's going to make more sense, um, and it will probably eventually get to the point where once almost everybody goes over to the streaming, because you're going to have some type of device that's going to get it from your, basically from your computer, from your internet provider onto your television, whether that be a PSP, whether that or PSP, a PlayStation Three whether that be a Roku box uh, or however you're going to do it, like through your uh, Blu-ray player if you've got one or something like that, uh, that can that can stream that stuff over there for you. And eventually it could be that they, once they get enough, they could lower the price a little bit. Now that's because that's what excuse me initially happened with me was when I very first signed up, I think it was like $9.99 a month and you got, <clears throat> excuse me, you got the 
one unlimited one DVD out at a time. And I think at the time you had streaming, but it was just so there. The only way you could really get it at that time was sort of on your computer, and it, it was kind of a real pain in the ass to to watch it that way. Um, but then. I think I'd had the account for about six months, and then they lowered the price. They lowered it to something like it was either seven ninety nine a month or something like that. And then there was a couple of price increases that kind of got it back up to the nine ninety nine. And I was okay with that. I thought, well, that's you know the price of doing business. And I understand that they're going to have to pay for more content and all that jazz. But again, my beef wasn't that they were saying, ah, fuck it, we don't care how many customers we lose. My my criticism was more in the way that they did it. And in the way that they did it, the way that they informed stuff was really, I thought that they said basically, if you don't like it, fuck off. You know, we got we got more than enough members that are going to stick with it. Um, now, obviously, they didn't couch it that harshly, but that's when I got my initial email from them. That's how I kind of took it. Because there was a little thing on there that said, hey, you can easily, what did it say? Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. Yeah, okay, I still got that. Um, it says, blah, blah, blah. Um, these prices will start for uh, charges on or after September 1st of 2011. You can easily change or cancel your unlimited streaming plan, unlimited DV plan, or both by going to change plan in your account, blah, blah, blah. Um we realize you have choices for your home entertainment. We thank you for your business. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. As always, if you have questions, contact us. I just thought they could have maybe couched it a little bit better and and, and put an, another paragraph in there that said we, we're, we're undergoing new negotiations. Our prices are going up. We value your business, and we hope that you'll stick with us. And I think if they had done that, because I'm sure most people got this basically the same generic email that I got. So, again, that was kind of my stuff. Um, with Battle of Los Angeles, again, I kind of, I guess I kind of stick with that. Um, it was an okay movie. It, it was one that was forgettable. You had talked a little bit about, uh, was Skyline. And in fact, I watched that recently and, uh, it was, um, I streamed it and it was HD and it was, parts of the movie were just, were beautiful, were beautifully shot, but. The way they did the story, the interactions, and a lot of stuff, I'm you know, kind of with you. It was just a terrible movie. So I look forward to kind of getting your your uh, review on that, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it kind of then on the show. So, uh, But it, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's if you could watch it in HD or maybe in Blu-ray or if you got it from Redbox or something like that, you know, for a dollar, um, or if it was part of your Netflix plan and you get it anyway, uh, it'd be worth a watch in my opinion. But it's definitely nothing you want to pay more than a dollar for. Uh, so anyway, that's going to wrap up that segment. And I think we've got some more email. Or email. We've got some more feedback. we got a little bit of feedback from Brad. So go ahead and take it away, Brad. Hey, Tony. It's Brad from West Michigan. To follow up to Eric's review, movie review on Battle for Los Angeles, was it Battle for or Battle of? Well, either one. It was a crap movie. Eric's right. Um, horrible flick. I was extremely disappointed. I barely made it through it. I Actually, I'd, the only reason why I finished watching it is because a friend of mine was watching it with me and wanted to finish watching it. So whatever. Um, 
but a bigger point, I guess, not a bigger point, but a, but a point I want to make is what the hell is going on with movies these days? I mean, am I missing something? But what what's happened to the big blockbusters, the, the ones that forever remain in our mind? You know, it's like the, Star, the original Star Wars trilogy, the original Indiana Jones series, um, the movies that, that continue to be rented and watched, games made of them, um, action figures are still made of them. I mean, it's like, it just seems like Hollywood is spewing out crap after crap after crap. Now, there's a prob- I'm sure there's exceptions to this. I mean, you could probably say the Harry Potter series is a good exception. I do think that those are well-made movies. I think they're due to end, so it's good that they're probably ending that series, but they're all quality movies, uh, at least appear to be and well-written. So I give them credit for that. But I don't know, man. I mean, this, these movies make tons of money. And like this Battle for Los Angeles made a ton of money. I, I don't get it. Was it, the, was it the marketing? Because are we that doped up as Americans that we consider that really quality entertainment that we would spend upwards of $10 a person to go see this, waste two hours of our lives, and walk out going, yeah, that kicked ass, man. No, Eric's right. It was D for dumb. Anyways, that's all I got to say, brother. Take it easy. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Brad. Well, I don't think we have uh, a lot of questions about how you felt about uh, Battle Los Angeles. Uh you could still go with my rating for and give it a C, and it could be C for crap. Uh, but um, kind of getting back to the some of this other questions you had about kind of what happened to the big blockbusters and what happened to you know putting out something that's that's really pretty good, and it just seems like, and this has probably been going on for a while, uh, but it's if if they see anything that has any type of of success. It seems like they they want to go with like a tried and true formula, so they'll just kind of roll out the same kind of garbage, whether or not it has a good story. If if they think, well, this was like that, and so we can we'll make some money on that as well. Uh, but you know, when you look back and you look at things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and some of the other big blockbusters, things like E.T. You know, if we're going way far back, even Jaws in the seventies, they were so different than from what else was out there. And I think a lot of them was is that the actual underlying story was pretty good. Uh, and if you look at the Harry Potter stuff, you know, again, the stories are so strong from the books. Uh, you know, you have kids that can enjoy it. You have adults that can enjoy it. Um, and I think with the Harry Potters that if, if you look as the, as the movie franchise kind of progressed, I think the movies actually got better. And I think the, one of the reasons they got better is because... Um, number one, the kid actors got better. Some of them are still, you know, kind of crummy, especially if you look at those first couple of movies, some of those, the kid actors in there are just, they're not very good. Um, but I think by having different directors and having people that actually kind of liked the, the source material, you have something that, uh, that kind of, I think that kind of shows. And I think that's something that maybe is, is one of the things, if you have somebody who's, if it's not their own thing that they've written and directed or that they've come up with, so like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, things like that, E.T., um, at least then if you have a director that comes in, 
if they're what you would call maybe like a true believer and they believe in the story. Um, you know, a movie that, or a couple of movies that should have, have uh, kind of taken the world by storm, but they didn't, and I think partially because of uh, their subtitles. And again, it kind of goes back to maybe that statement about, you know, are we so doped up and stuff that we don't, you know, it has to be sort of ladled up for us hot and steaming on a plate before we can enjoy it. But there was a movie oh, a few years back called uh, Let the Right One In. Uh, of course, it was subtitled. There was uh, Wreck, which was, uh, and then that was remade as Quarantine, which, you know, why in the world they did that? But anyway, but those were based, both really good, fantastic movies that I enjoyed. And uh, I guess Wreck 2 is out, or is going to be soon, is out in DVD. I don't know if it's on streaming yet on Netflix. But there are some things that are out there. Um, and that's one good thing, you know, about Netflix, even though we kind of, you know, bitched a little bit about the price increase. And when we did, and I, and I think I talked about this uh, a little earlier or on a previous show about how that a lot of the stuff that I watch and that I enjoy is some of the older stuff. So a lot of the older stuff and the content that they have is good for me, but maybe for the average person, it may not be as, they're not going to be interested in watching, you know, uh, Godzilla or Gojira, or they're not going to be in, as interested in watching you know, some obscure biker flick from, you know, 1972. Um, but, you know, again, Netflix does have a lot of stuff. Um, I hope, though, that they will get more and more content. Uh, and maybe that will, I don't know if it'll, if what'll make Hollywood kind of change. It seems like, you know, every once in a while, they're always, there's these kind of these big successes that sort of seem to come out of nowhere. And a lot of times it's just because, Either the the studio execs or the 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 guys that are the money men or whatever are kind of leaving the artist alone, and that's when it seems like we get really good stuff. But when they kind of try and do things, much like government, when they try and do things by committee, and uh, you know try and say, well, we'll force this out there and it'll get us this result that we want, it never really works. Um, I think in in some ways a lot of people are kind of you know I'll take what I get, but in a lot of ways people can. You know, people's bullshit detector is pretty high for the most part. Uh, unfortunately, we seem to also have a pretty high tolerance for bullshit and putting up with it. So even though we know it's it's a bunch of crap, we still uh, say, well, you know, that's, that's what we got to deal with. Uh, all right, let's see. I have one more bit of feedback, and this is from Jacob. So take it away, Jacob. Hi, Tony. This is Jake from the Gun Rats Radio t-shirt store, I have a review for the Roku, or Roku uh, media player. Um, I bought mine from Amazon.com for about $80, and it's capable of streaming in 1080p. Um, it has uh, it comes with Netflix, Hulu+, Plus, uh, Amazon Instant Video, and some uh, other options like Crackle, Instant Movies for free. There's no monthly subscription for this device uh, besides what you would pay. Um, you have to pay for Netflix and uh, Hulu Plus and etc. of course. Uh, it has an HDMI output on it. It also has um, the yellow, red, and white uh, video output. 
it's a Wi-Fi device and it also has a Cat5 connection. I run mine off of Cat5 because it's faster. Um, but I'm sure the wireless is just fine. Uh, it's capable of 1080p, but um, I haven't found anything that streams in 1080p. Uh, 720p seems to be the highest. Um, overall, it's uh, I, I, it's an okay device. I bought it because uh, I normally would hook up my laptop to the, my HDTV via HDMI to stream Netflix or Hulu off of. So I bought it so I wouldn't have to run my laptop to my TV all the time. Um, Netflix, uh, it, it looks great, works great. Uh, same thing with uh, Hulu and Amazon. Um, the strange thing about it is that the Netflix uh, videos are different from what's available on the computer for watch for the, your watch instantly. Um, selections are they're, they're slightly different. I don't think there's as many available on the, this player. Uh, you still get your instant queue. Um, that that still seems to be the same. Um, but like I had different options on the Roku player that I could not stream instantly on my PC and vice versa. So they seem to be different. Uh, different uh, watch instant libraries for some reason and the other thing I didn't like is that the uh, Hulu Plus uh, I could not stream um, two of my favorite shows The Office and The Community uh, for some reason those shows do not allow you to stream for this media device but you can on your PC which I found odd and disappointing so I cancelled my Hulu Plus account um, other than that, um, things I would change about the device, uh, that would be one of them, but I think that's a Hulu issue. Um, it's, uh, sometimes a little bit slow loading. It's an always-on device, so you turn your TV and you switch to it, and it's on, and you can select what you want to watch, whether it's Netflix or... Hulu. Um, what I actually use it most for is my Amazon instant video account um, because um, I'm one of those people, um, my wife and I, um, we're on the Dave Ramsey plan and we uh trying to cut our, our expenses as much as possible so I cut cable and satellite and TV. I cut all that uh, about two years ago, maybe three years ago. I haven't paid for any of that. I've only stream things online for the last couple of years and um, but a few shows you can't stream for free online um, and one of those is uh, Justified on FX and another one is uh, Breaking Bad and I think that's also on FX but uh, those two shows I pay for those on the Amazon Instant Video and they look fantastic that um, they work great. Another thing I don't know I've heard you mention is that if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you get a bunch of free instant streaming videos. Um, and it seems to be a lot of the same selections you would get on uh, Netflix or even Hulu. 
So if you guys are looking for another alternative on there out there, it seems like uh, Amazon is a good choice for uh, their Prime membership is like 80 bucks a year, and then you also get uh, quicker shipping upgrades for free with that too. Um, I uh, um, so I I I guess I'm kind of. Um, happy I got it, kind of disappointed. I still have to bring my laptop down to watch um, uh, Hulu shows that I cannot play through the Roku player. So, it didn't really solve my problem, but uh, it's um, it, it's worth checking out. I, 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 I say it's worth a look if your TV or if you don't have an Xbox or 360 that have instant streaming options. It's a it's a nice little option. So appreciate the show, um, and uh, talk to you later. Hey, thanks for sending that in, Jacob. Appreciate it. You know, uh, earlier in an email, we had uh, I think Tom had mentioned uh, Vince over at the B Movie Cast, and Vince has one of those Roku players as well, and he really likes it. Um, I find it interesting that you've probably you've been without maybe doing the like the cable or the satellite thing for a couple of years and it seems to work out pretty good for you. I imagine you're still coming in quite a bit cheaper by doing a subscription either to Netflix or to Hulu or to um Amazon Prime, those type of things. You're still going to come out way cheaper than uh than you would if you were doing a satellite or cable. Uh, you know, and, and what we've kind of found is that we watch very little TV now with the stuff that we get uh, through Netflix and some of the other stuff. So I think, and I've talked, I think I've talked about before that eventually I think we're going to, we'll probably, when our contract is up with the satellite company, we'll probably go ahead and cancel. Um, and I think I'll be able to get just about everything through, um, by streaming, uh, and it may mean that I need to buy like a different type of device or a Roku box or something like that to get some of that stuff. Uh, but I would still come out, still come out way ahead. Um, I don't think I've got the that PlayStation Three, and I don't think I can. I don't think it has an Amazon account or an Amazon thing. If anybody knows that, I'll go on and do a little bit more research too. But if anybody has used their PS Three. To do the uh, the streaming, maybe I know they have like Hulu Plus and a couple other things, but I don't think they have an Amazon app. I'll have to go and double check on there. But if anybody knows an easy way to get that, or if they've heard that they're going to have plans for one, uh, let me know. Um, Jacob had mentioned that he is the um, he's part of the the Gun Rights Radio Network T-shirt store. If you go over to Gun Rights Radio Network, you can click over there and you can. Um, you can click on the store. You can either go through the forums and do some stuff like that. And they've got different T-shirts and things that they can you can order through there. Um, so let's see. What else were you talking about there? Um, you know, that's another thing about some it, – it does seem that some shows – and I, I'm sure it's just a negotiation thing probably with the Hulu why you can't, you can't get like the two that you really liked. Um, but there are probably other ways that you can get it where you could pay through it, maybe even through uh, maybe through iTunes or something if they have it. But uh, again, even having to pay for the occasional show, you know, you can get them. Um, you can also, if you've got the Netflix things, I know that you can still get, I think, the discs of like Dexter and you could probably actually get the discs. I know you're not, we're talking a little bit about streaming here, but 
there's still other options and things like that for certain things. Of course, you have to wait a little bit longer. Um, but I think, again, what we're going to do is probably kind of follow your footsteps there. And I think I think Brad has done some of that stuff as well where they got rid of um, – some of their cable or some of the TV costs and things and just a way to help kind of streamline things. Uh, and, and, you know, before when I was watching primarily just satellite stuff, I, I would have thought, nah, I, I would miss a lot of the shows. And there's a few that I would, that are kind of more like shooting shows like outdoor network has a lot of stuff that I like, um, from Michael Bain. He's got, uh, best defense and best defense survival. He's got, gun stories now it's a shooting gallery um and there's a few other odds and end shows that i watch here and there but uh most of them i think i could probably get online all right well i tell you what guys we have been talking for quite a while today uh, and that's going to wrap up some of the feedback we've got i did uh, again if i if it took me a long time to get back to your email and stuff i apologize for that and uh but i'll, I'll uh, try and get everything on the show that you send to me um, so again, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to contact the show again, I'll give out the, uh, voicemail 206-339-3266 or the email, uh, thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, thearmedape at gmail.com. All right, my monkeys, I will talk to you next time.
This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini! 